0: This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community, inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit Cincyjourney.org. Well, good morning everyone. We uh, if you didn't get one, we have some handouts here that when this is a little bit loud, could we take that down just a little bit? Um We've got some handouts for you if you didn't get one of them and uh, help you go, you know, I just always, it's probably me more than uh, anything, but I just always need something in front of me, you know, to help me get through uh, and stay concentrated on the message. So that's why I always, have always done notes um, in in my preaching. Uh, Before we get started, I wanted to tell you a, a little story. Uh, I mentioned last week my uh, five-year-old uh, grandson and his uh, encounter with his great-grandma at the funeral and the the, the body and so forth well this week we, I got a new one on him he, he is just quite the little as my grandkids all are he's quite he's quite special um, he is so into spider-man uh, yeah, Spider-Man. And he, he's got a costume, and I think they didn't, couldn't hardly get it off of him for two days. And he actually believed that, and told his mom, he said, I, I think I might really be turning into Spider-Man. And uh, if you don't know the story of the superhero Spider-Man and how that happened, uh, Spider-Man came from the result of an uh, atomically radiated spider, Bit a, a young boy by the name of Peter Parker, and it gave him superpowers, and he became Spider Man. So they overheard my little five year old grandson praying, and he said, Lord, I hope atomic spiders are real, and one bites me. <laughs> I want to talk to you this morning about becoming mature. And our responsibility of helping young people become mature. But I tell you, that little guy—I don't—I told my son, "Don't push him. This his innocence is wonderful, you know." But there is a time that that five-year-old is going to have to learn some lessons uh, about uh, growing up and, and facing what it means to be a young boy, a young man, and so forth, like all of us. And I want to talk to you today about some of the benchmarks of. A spiritually mature Christian. And we need to know these because, and what's our phrase? While going through life, uh, we need to be maturing as, as Christians, as people. And uh, I want to look at some of those benchmarks for the spiritually mature Christian. One of the responsibilities of a father is to help their children to grow up, not just physically, but also in maturity. Our kids can get into all kinds of problems by saying immature things, uh, by making immature decisions, and by acting in immature ways. And helping them to navigate through those moments and learn from them is what we do. When they make the mistakes or when they don't do something that they shouldn't be doing, whatever we help them navigate through those things and, we, and hopefully they learn from them. Uh, but sometimes, if you're like me, as when I was a, a father and, and even as a grandparent, uh, I get frustrated sometimes with the kids because they're not on the learning curve I expect them to be. They're not maturing how I think they ought to. But even so, I'm frustrated. You just you have to press on. You have to press forward with your instructions, with your role modeling, and sometimes even uh, discipline. Uh, So, in their growth as young adults, they become mature. Now, everyone needs to mature physically, um, and uh, emotionally, and mentally. Now, I'm still maturing physically, and I tell you, I don't like some of the aches and pains that are coming from it. But I'm still maturing physically. Uh, uh, I'm still maturing emotionally. My wife might have a few comments about that one. And I'm still trying to mature mentally, that is to grow in knowledge. One of the most important lessons about maturity that you can teach a young person as they are growing up is that the process of maturing never stops. If anyone thinks they've arrived at being an adult or being mature, uh, you all know that they are woefully mistaken. Perhaps some of the most difficult people that that you may have to deal with are those who are not humble enough to realize that they still have some things to learn about being an adult. Uh, Now, don't be tempted to nudge the person next to you when I say this, but um, probably you know someone who is physically grown up, but not maturity wise. They're not real mature. Uh, They've reached a level. And it seems like they just can't hardly go any further than that. They don't go any further than that. There is one other area of maturity beyond the physical, emotional, and the mental, though, that is really important. And this is an area that our Father in heaven has a great concern for His children. Just as fathers have a great concern for their children here, our Heavenly Father has great concern for all of us as His children on earth. God wants us to mature spiritually. In 2 Peter 3, beginning at verse 17, it says, Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge, I've underlined that word knowledge, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, this knowledge is the ever deepening experience of Christ in our life. This knowledge is the ever deepening experience of understanding of His truth. The ever deepening experience and understanding that leads us to spiritual maturity. And it is this ongoing maturity that should characterize the entire course of a believer's life, sometimes I'm asked, well, you know, how how do I find God's will for my life? What a great question. I've I've thought of that myself and most of us have. How do I know God's will for my life? How, How do I know what really God wants me to do? Well, here's one thing that I can tell you absolutely holds true for every believer when it comes to God's will. God's will is that every Christian becomes spiritually mature. It's true. God wants us all to grow to spiritual maturity because in spiritual maturity, when you reach a stage of spiritual maturity, you become one who shares Christ, who lives Christ, who influences the world for Christ because as a spiritually mature person, that just becomes a part of who you are. In fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he scolds the the Corinthian church for their lack of maturity. I don't know if you would like your pastor to say what, what the Apostle says to this church, but he speaks to them as if they are spiritual babies. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 3, beginning of verse 2. He said, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? In other words, Paul says, you know, we've provided for you the milk. And and for those of us who have given our life to Christ, you know, that's the milk stage. We become the new babes in Christ. You're a new creation but you are to go beyond that stage. And for those who don't go beyond that stage, Paul is speaking to them. I can only take you so far because you keep acting like you used to be. You're straddling the fence or you're playing in both worlds. And Paul tells them, grow up. Their father in heaven wants them to grow up. Because spiritual immaturity, just like any, any kind of, uh, of immaturity causes all kinds of problems for us, not only for you personally, but spiritual immaturity impacts the whole church. It impacts the whole Christian walk of life for everybody. God's will for your life is spiritual maturity. And one of the purposes of the community of believers like this church is to help you grow in spiritual maturity. So, let's press into this spiritual maturity thing. And let, let me start with what it is not. This is what spiritual maturity is not. Spiritual maturity is not just getting older. Spiritual maturity does take time. And it does take energy. And it does take effort. Uh, no one comes, uh, becomes spiritually mature overnight. Even Jesus grew spiritually as he grew up. In Luke 2, 52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. But here's the warning. You can get older and not grow spiritually mature. It's like that bumper sticker that says, I may be getting older, but I refuse to grow up. It's kind of the Peter Pan syndrome. Some Christians refuse to grow up. You can have 50 60-year-old spiritual babies. Spiritual maturity involves much more than the number of years that you are a believer. Spiritual maturity uh, is not just looks. I mean, looks can be deceiving. And some people can can look and sound spiritually mature. They can even Look holy with the, the costume, the clothing they wear, or the hat, or, or you know, and they, they know all the, the, the holy language that they can speak, and they, they seem like they are really God hovering over them all the time. That's what it looks like. But I warn you, appearances can be deceiving. Spiritual maturity is not just a matter of what a person looks like or even sounds like on the outside but it's a matter of what has taken place on the inside. And spiritual maturity is not just achievement. I mean, you, you can go through and get degrees, um, you know, seminary degrees, Bible college diplomas. You can get plaques uh, that says you've done this and that and the other thing in the church. You can get awards. But it does not make you a spiritually mature people, person. Achievement can be an indication, but are, they're not sure signs of spiritual maturity. We had a guy in our former church that had this amazing record that he set. In 50 years, 50 years, 52 weeks out of every 50 years, he never missed Sunday school. If our church was closed because of snow and ice in the parking lot or whatever, he would go, he would look around and find a church that was open someplace and he would go there and attend Sunday school so he could keep his string going. For 50 years, he never missed Sunday school. Does that mean that he was spiritually mature? Well, it could, but, it, but that achievement in itself does not speak of spiritual maturity. So what is spiritual maturity? Spiritual maturity is a matter of character. You see, it's always about character, your character. Character makes a difference. It's character that counts. The great preacher D.L. Moody said, character is what you are in the dark. It's what you are when the blinds are pulled and the doors are shut and you're inside your house. They're the true character of who you are. You know it. God knows it. Recognition is, about, is what people say about you. Character is what God knows about you. Character is what really determines who you are. So I want us to look at five of those character qualities that we should have as a spiritually mature pe- person. Here's the first one. A spiritually mature person is positive under pressure. And in today's world, staying positive with all the media that we have constantly bombarding us. With all the negativity. Uh, It's hard to stay positive sometimes. But James chapter 1 beginning at verse 2 says this. My friends, be glad even if you have a lot of trouble. You know that you learn to endure by having your faith tested. But you must learn to endure everything so that you will be completely mature and not lacking in anything. When life happens, you don't have any choice but to endure it, right? Something happens in your family, something happens to you, something happens at your work, whatever. You don't have any choice but to endure what comes your way. But the question is, do you grow from it spiritually? Faith testing moments cause spiritual maturity to occur. So do you want to become a more mature in your relationship with Christ? I think all of us do. All of us, though, have problems. All of us have trials. All of us have situations that are not good But how do you handle them? How do you handle uh, being dealt a bad hand? Do your problems blow you out of the water? Do your problems get you so uptight that you become negative? Do you grumble and gripe? Do you get all nervous and frustrated? See, the first test of spiritual maturity is... How do you act positive under pressure? Now, here's the thing about all of you. You are all problem solvers. You may not see yourself that way, but you all solve problems every day. And and moms are the best at it. I mean, they get like a million things a day. They have to solve a problem. But how you approach solving that problem, that's what says a lot about you. Of course, the easiest thing, and and I can be pretty good at it at times, is just griping about the problem. You know, that that comes like, it's so easy, right? But approaching the problem with a positive attitude, that's maturity. So here's the question to ask yourself. Do I have the right attitude as I approach the problems of life? So before you get into the problem of life, ask yourself, am I maturing spiritually so that when I get to the problem in life, I have what it takes to handle it? In other words, what is your character that is going to come out when everything is falling apart? A spiritually mature person is positive under pressure. Secondly, a spiritually mature person is sensitive to the spiritual needs of other people. Um, Let's look at Philippians chapter three. Begin in verse 18 it says, For as I have often told you before, and now will tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. I mean, how much more powerful of a description can we get of the spiritually needy than that. Their focus, it, the stomach, it represents the desires of their body, of their, of their heart and mind, maybe. Their glory, so many people, it's the 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 things that they do that are sinful. That's how they they bring glory to themselves. They brag about it. It's because their mind is set set on earthly things. They are spiritually sick. And Jesus pointed out that the goal, our goal, his goal, was to bring healing to the spiritually sick. To give his life as a ransom for many so there is a way to be healed from being spiritually sick. We are to be a spiritually mature person that is sensitive to the spiritual needs of those around us. A spiritually mature person doesn't just look out for their own spiritual need, but even more so, they look out for the, the, those that are around them that are hurting, those that are around them that have lots of needs. However, not just anybody can see the spiritual needs of others. This is why as a spiritually mature person, we have a different heart. And even we carry a burden for the spiritually needy. Because if we don't have a burden for the spiritually needy in this world, who is going to have it? Who's going to do it for, who's going to reach out to them? Who's going to really care for them? And if we're going through life and the spiritually needy around us, they don't, that's not even on our radar. We don't even think about it. You know, we don't get up every morning and, and say, you know, God, put somebody in my path today that I can impact for Christ. If that's not our mindset, if we're not thinking that we are Christ on earth, trying to live out the Christian life so other people are influenced by what we do, if we're not thinking that way, then we don't have the burden. And if we don't have the burden, it says something about our own spiritual immaturity. So, the second test of spiritual maturity is, how do I treat other people? Here's the third one. A spiritually mature person is a peacemaker and not a troublemaker. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Uh, There are a lot of troublemakers in the world. In fact, that's one of the things about the media that is so disturbing is every day you are just, it's like whoever is a troublemaker, they make the headlines. Whoever is the peacemaker, you rarely hear about them. It's the troublemakers, the troublemakers, and and we just get flooded with that. The mark of a spiritually mature person is the lack of, of conflict in their life. And the media says, well, that's a boring person if you don't have any conflict going on. In your life, if, you, if you can handle conflict, what's the big deal about that? Well, listen, you are to have a lack of conflict. James 4 1 says, Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourself. You know, we can't get along with other people sometimes because we want what we want, and we'll fight for it. We're not peacemakers. The question to ask, am I a peacemaker or am I a troublemaker? Uh, Do I like to argue? Do, Do I debate every little thing that comes along? When it comes to my family or my work or at church, do, do I like to stir the pot? Do I hurt a lot of people's feelings? If I see myself as a leader, am I a peacemaker or a troublemaker? You see, the mark of the spiritually mature person is the lack of conflict in their life. When, sometimes we just need to ask When I look at what the real ambition of my life is, what does that say about me? Is my ambition to be on the top of the hill, ahead of the crowd, no matter who I have to run over or knock off the the mountain? Was that Jesus' ambition? Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, I realize, Paul realized, that some people just won't let you live at peace with them. But you are to give it your best effort. Being a peacemaker, that's the third test of being spiritually mature. The fourth one is this. A spiritually mature person is patient. Yeah, yeah like, you know, God, please give me patience and do it right now. Yeah. James 5, verse 7 says, Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. The word patient is used three times in these two verses. Being patient is a quality character. And what a great illustration James uses a farmer, which here in the Midwest, we're pretty familiar with farming. Um, recently, I heard of a story of someone who decided they wanted to be a farmer. They bought a farm, uh, they planted their crops in the spring, and after just one season, they sold the farm because they said, I I just don't have the patience to wait for that stuff to grow. Um, James gives an illustration of a farmer because farmers, they plant the seed, they cultivate, they take care of the weeds. Uh, then there's the hope and the prayers that, that come out of the farmer's life and and the farmer has expectations, but he has to wait. There There is, there are no overnight crops, unless you can find Jack and the Beanstalk beans. There are just not any. The spiritually mature recognize that patience is a much needed virtue, and we wait on God to answer our prayers. We wait for a miracle. We wait for God to move in our lives. We wait. Patience is a mark of maturity. The only way to learn patience is through the practice of waiting. My 24-year-old grandson, when he was a newborn, um, had a hole in his heart. And they call it a heart murmur. It's a hole in the heart. And they usually classify them as small, which they heal themselves normally. Medium, which may or may not heal themselves. And large, which won't. He had a medium. So they said, we want to wait and see what happens. So, of course, um, Sharon and I, our children, um, the uh, uh, in-laws, every, our church, every church that we went to, those churches, everybody that we could get a hold of. Um, missionary friend in Honduras, everybody we can get a hold of began praying that God would do a miracle and heal that hole so he wouldn't have to go through surgery as a little baby. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and seven months rolled around, and the doctors examined him again and said the hole is still the same size. It's not going to heal. We have to do surgery. So, we were at that hospital, and You know the little guy, just a little bitty guy, and they had to put all these IVs in him, and they couldn't put individual IDs because he's just too too little, too little. So they put a manifold on his arm and had the IVs here, and then one, it was you know everything. It it looked absolutely awful, and they took the little guy off. Not we didn't know if he's going to make it, not make it, or whatever. And I want to tell you. When he disappeared into that surgery room, I was so angry at God. I was livid. And I marched off from everybody else, and I found this little quiet corner in the hospital where nobody could hear me, and I gave God an earful. I told him exactly how I felt. I said, we have prayed. We have had Thousands of people praying and praying and praying. This could have been done. This was not a miracle that was humongous. It was just a little hole, a medium size, and they said it could be, it could grow shut. And you didn't work the miracle. And I am so infuriated. And I just gave him a real earful. Um, they told us that the surgery would take maybe four to six hours. Uh, It only took two. They told us that he would be in recovery for a minimum of 24 hours, and then they would see if they could get the IVs out of him. Twenty-two hours later, he had everything off of him. This happened on a Thursday. He went home on a Saturday. He was in church with us on Sunday. The doctors told our children later on when they took him back in, The surgeon said, in all the heart surgeries I have done on infants, I have never seen one go this well. In fact, with your permission, I would like to share this with pediatric uh, pediatric doctors who do cardiology kind of things. I would like to share this with them because this is the way it's supposed to go. He said, it is a miracle. So I went back into that corner and I apologized. (laughs) Patience. It doesn't always work out like I want it to or you want it to, but to not believe that God was still involved. hmm. Patience. The fifth thing, a spiritually mature person is prayerful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18 says, Be be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is why God wants you, to, uh, wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. When things are good, pray. It's a lot easier. But when things are going bad, pray. In all things, pray. James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person. That, that is one who knows Christ The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. It's effective. Prayer is talking to God. It's bringing Him our request. It's praising Him. It's petitioning Him. And do you know the biggest reason we pray? I mean, doesn't God already know everything anyway? I've heard people say, I don't pray because God knows everything anyway, right? In prayer to our God, we are acknowledging which one of us is in control. And it's Him. It's Him. He wants to see your heart exposed to him. He wants to know your feelings. He wants to know how you perceive these things, where you hurt, where you need strength. He wants you to talk through that with him. That's why we pray. He is in control of all things for sure, but he wants you to pray for all things. On that day that Jesus arrived where his friend Lazarus had been buried for four days, and he told him, remove the stone. He was about to teach his followers a very important, wonderful lesson. And it surprised all of them. Remove the stone? He's been dead four days. It's really going to stink. Remove the stone. So verse 41 of this story in John chapter 11 says, So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave cloths and let him go. Jesus said, Father, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this so that people can see that you are in charge. You are in control of everything. And even Jesus acknowledged the Father's ultimate power. You see, those who are spiritually mature, they understand the power of God. There are things in your life right now that you may think no one can fix this but God can God can take that which is broken and he can mend it he can take that uh, that which is uh, shattered and he can make it whole God is that big God is that powerful And a spiritually mature person knows that there will always be problems in their life, but there will always be God listening to their constant prayers. The spiritually mature never says, God just isn't listening. So, here's our next step for today. Where are you when it comes to maturity? Look at the bottom of that outline I gave you. It's got the things right there. Where are you when it comes to maturity? Positive under pressure? Sensitive to the needs of others? A peacemaker rather than a troublemaker? Patient and prayerful. Those are our next steps. Stand with me and let's give a word of prayer. Father, we know you hear our words uh, even when they're silent and our thoughts are running wild. You know our hearts. When we lift up our prayers, when we cry out to you, we want to be the spiritually mature people that it takes to impact the world for the name of Christ. There are people all around us that don't know you, that don't want to know you, that have never thought about knowing you, all kinds of spiritually needy people. We need to be sensitive to that. And as a spiritually mature person, we will be. Help us to grow. We know we're not where we're supposed to be. None of us are. God, we know that you can help us to grow and grow and grow if we keep our focus upon you and upon your love. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for the power of prayer. And thank you, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Spirit that allows us to be the eyes, the hands, the feet, the voice, and the love of Christ on this world. We ask your blessing upon everyone here today, Jesus. We ask your strength from the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Uh, Thank you all for being here, Daniel. Thank you so much for the beautiful music. Roy, thank you for another inspiring and meaningful message. I long to be a spiritual, mature Christian. I have a long ways to go. but those are great points uh, to ponder this week. Wanted to make an um, announcement, a couple announcements. There's several in your program. I'm not going to read all those, except I want to make sure that everyone knows that in two weeks we will be having a luncheon for Roy and his lovely bride Sharon will be here to uh, to join us for that. So please prepare for that. And Sharon is graciously coordinating uh, side dishes. So see her if uh, you can and would like to bring something. So I also wanted to let you know that the other church that we have been talking to about potential um, adoption um, has informed their leadership team. So we can now tell you that the other church is Bridgewater Church of God. So go home, look on the website, take a look at that, listen to their podcast, see what you think. We've also learned that um, if we should choose to move forward, this process is going to take a lot longer than we thought. So um, we just want to kind of be prepared for that. We ha- I think uh, last week, Brian may have let you know that we exchanged questions, and we have their list of questions, which um, are really very thought-provoking, and uh, we want, at this time, I think we really need to have more input from, from the church. Um, we don't want to make a decision in a vacuum. Obviously, the first uh, order of business is to pray. Uh, we want to pray for God's will. Is God in this? What does God want us to do? That is first, you know, first and foremost. Um, but to um, to answer these questions, we really want to invite any of you who are interested to um, become a more, you know, more engaged in this process. So if you're interested, see Woody or I after service, or let us let us know by next Sunday. We will um, get those questions to you ahead of a meeting that we'll we'll schedule just as soon as we can, so we can. Go through that um, and just talk through those those questions and decide you know what should our next steps be. But as I said, the first and more important thing is I'd like to ask everyone to make this a, a you know real serious matter of prayer this week that we know uh, that God is with us that we are listening to what His will is uh, because you know if God's in this it's just going to be phenomenal and if this is what God wants us to be it's it's we're going to reach. We're just going to reach our community in, in ways we never have, um, and if this is not what we're supposed to do, then we want you know we certainly want to um, to take that into consideration uh, We certainly want to uh, make sure we are going in the direction that we should. So that's the most important thing. Uh, let us know if you're interested in becoming you know, more, um, a, a bigger part, I guess, of this decision-making process. Ultimately, we realize the burden of the final decision lies with the leadership team, but we don't want to make that decision in a vacuum. So, We'll be around if you have questions. Have an awesome week.